Welcome back to the Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears. The Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. And look, it's not how we usually do it here because it's not a standard review because this is closing the chapter, we think, on Ted Lasso. So this is our season three wrap-up that was promised. So after 34 episodes of this beloved show, it's time to say goodbye of season three with a bit of an overview, some news, notes, our thoughts, and even some rewards before signing off. A quick request, however, because the engagement on social has been a lot of fun, uh, especially doing the awards of the last few days. Uh, engage with us at Pod Underdogs, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter. We've had a lot of fun with you guys. The community is uh, incredibly welcoming, especially as we as we started uh, posting just in March and uh, have grown this thing pretty significantly since then. So thank you. And uh, let's continue the conversation. And look, in all of those social channels, you could hit us up to let us know if there's another show, another movie, a series, something pop culture related that we should cover with the underdogs. Because as much as it started as a Ted Lasso experiment and experience, it doesn't have to be the end of the relationship that we have with you. And look, if we get... 15 to 20 ideas, I will finally drop the letterbox link that has been requested before Uh-oh. so people Uh-oh. can see all my movie ratings that uh, and, and deride me for them potentially. Ooh, spicy. Well, I would have to uh, let a little inside information slip and say this has been the second TV series we've covered. That's right. You two, without me, have done Game of Thrones. We've now done Lasso. What is next is up to you, the audience. Let us know. A lot of good options coming out recently. So we got to kick it off, though, the way we always do tradition over everything. Three-word season review. Here we go, gentlemen. Hate to be that guy. I said fun, then floundering. Uh-oh. It's going to be one Little of those. Little Mermaid inspired. <laughs> a whole new world. Actually, I think that's, that's a different movie. That's that's Aladdin, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's all right. Uh, I went with uh, Played the Hits. A lot of callbacks, a lot of warm fuzzies. Uh, you know, it, it felt very much like a, a rock band going out on their final tour. And look, because it is the capstone experience, I thought it was the belief Thesis defense. This was the opportunity for the whole cast and crew to put forward the ideology of believe and defend it to the best of their ability. All right. Well, let us know what you think again at Pod Underdogs on your three word season review. It's not easy. There's a lot that happened. Got to get a nice big umbrella. But hey, Nick, before we get into awards and things like that, we thought we should maybe try to accumulate all of the quotes and rumors and kind of What's next for Ted Lasso? Because there's a lot that we can talk about, but this is what is most topical as we record in June of 2023. Hedge ourselves on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's timestamp it so we don't look like idiots. We uh, we've done that before on our other show, and uh, boy, is that tough. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, I think the main question on everyone's mind is, will there be more Ted Lasso? You know, it's been a very kind of wishy-washy answer from Jason, from Brendan. I'll just kind of read out Brendan's response and then a couple others. Uh, Brendan Hunt, uh, co-creator and writer on the show says, my answer that is also 100% true as if he had to couch it. Uh, we don't know. We need a break and we'll take one presently. Nothing has been ruled out. Everything is possible, but that includes the possibility that we're done. We won't know until we've sat with it for a while and decompressed. And, and I think, Dan, 
that makes a lot of sense, right? Like if you look at all of the promo that this team has done for season three, every they've been fucking everywhere doing every interview all the time. Like they look, they look gassed right now, man. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a hell of a run on, on the, on the promo front for sure. Well, it's important to distinguish that they play characters who are in our lives, but they are real people with their own lives mm-hmm. who work across multiple different properties and projects. We know that Brett and others uh, have multiple conversations with Apple, not just with Ted Lasso, but with Shrinking and other shows that are coming out under the Bill Lawrence umbrella. You have others who have other acting responsibilities that they have. They're also currently engaged in a writer's strike at the moment, many of them, and on the picket line still. So there's just a whole lot, not only just within the sphere of do we do more Ted Lasso or not do more Ted Lasso, but there's also the how does that then fit into the larger schedule because then you need coordination for time in London, time for these actors to be there, time for production, time like that that's a whole timeline and basically everything's paused right now. Like that's what I think about like any current project that is not greenlit and not written already and some are not even filming because you need writers to be available to make edits mm-hmm. to things that are being filmed. Like that's why like even if they were to say yes we want to do a Ted Lasso season 4 Today in this moment, they want to come on the underdogs and say it. You're talking 2025 probably would be the earliest we would see something. We we invite them to do so, by the way. Um, exactly. Exactly. Uh, we give them the opportunity. Brendan, open invite, my guy. Um, I would also say this. One of the brilliant parts about this show, Brandon, is that it has created stars, right? You know, you took some relatively, in, at least in America, unknown uh, quantities, right? And you put them on screen and they work so well together. And then you get Brett Goldstein doing a Marvel movie and you get Hannah Waddingham doing a Mission Impossible movie. And, and it's all of this, you know, it's like success begets success in a way. And so schedules become difficult uh, once you once you have that many stars and it's not just Jason, you know? Well, I think that's it. I mean, you got to pitch the network without Jason, that's about the only thing you know, right? Is is are are these actors now big enough to carry it on San Sudeikis? And that will be, I think, the biggest question. Can they? Probably, but they have to convince the the networks to to run with a a different type because obviously he was, you know, there from the beginning. Him and Brendan Hunt came up with the idea. He obviously created the character Ted Lasso. And what would it be like without Ted? I think it would be a very different flavor Mm. and feel to it. Uh, Not impossible. It might be a little goofy. Ted Lasso season four without Ted Lasso. But again, they're creative people. I'm sure they can figure it out. Then on the business side, if there's money to be made, I promise you they'll find a way to make money. Apple makes money. That's what they do. I also just want to do a couple quotes here. Hannah Waddingham said, I genuinely have no idea if it's over. None of us do. I think the only person that may be keeping it under his hat and rightfully so is Jason. But we all think uh, we all certainly took this as the three series, uh, three season story and just tried to honor it the best that we could. Juno Temple said, I think it would be amazing to see how they would continue to do wonderful things together and how it would bleed out into other women passing that on to other women. She was talking with, with Hannah in this interview together. So, I, I think the the actors themselves want to. It's just whether or not they feel like they have the story and all the logistics that we mentioned. And 
And look, it would be it'd be a hell of a lot of fun if they if if they did what Dan suggested and came on the show and said, you know what, twenty twenty five, it's coming at you. We're not going to be bummed about that. Well, and the funny one is. You left Sudeikis's quote with the most Ted Lasso response ever. When he gets asked about it, he just said, wow, you know what? I appreciate that. That's very flattering that you'd even ask. What a humble, humble guy. Those Midwest yeah, roots. A cheeky bastard. Love to see it. <laughs> All right. How about some reactions to season three? So um, we have the Forbes article that came out from Jeff Conway. Got to talk to a lot of the different uh, main characters throughout this show. Uh, got some good quotes, right, Dan? So, I mean, we can kind of kind of run down and, and see some stuff just to see how this show continues to impact their lives and, and kind of how they review season three themselves. So I guess we can let the people who did it set the stage before we muck it up with our opinions. <laughs> yeah, there was the quote from Phil Dunster, who plays Jamie Tart, saying, I think there's a lot of people who have seen themselves in Jamie. They've seen They've seen the conceited in him and sort of the arrogance that we have at times, and they see the progression that he's had. They've been with him the whole time. Thank you for sticking with him. And, you know, he's had, you know, one of the larger evolutions from mm -hmm. I'm a loney for a really big club who's hoping then to play for that big club and collect my super fat paycheck and uh, absolutely be someone who, if, if you saw Manchester City celebrating the Champions League, and you saw the way that Jack Grealish was celebrating. <laughs> that effectively same, same would have hair. been Jamie Tart. That would have been Jamie Tart had not it been for Ted Lasso. Don't forget, he got his contract ripped up. A little Love Island action. That was peak wow. Tart. I know, uh, yeah, but you know, again, peak Tart. Ted Lasso is the difference. Awesome. Well, the unsung hero of it all, uh, Will the Ketman, a.k.a. Charlie Hiscock, is the actor who played Will, said the amount of love shown, not just to myself, but to every single cast member, no matter how big or small, it's insane. Uh, he would love to see a spinoff or a new season. He said his fingers are crossed and hopefully they'll continue to do it. Yeah, I look, I don't know anything about Charlie. This has to be peak for Charlie. Like, he came up big in season three and just uh, oh. stole a lot of headlines, loved it. Yeah, Cole Bikini, who plays Isaac McAdoo. I want to say something uh, to fans about how grateful I am that they stayed with my character and how honored I've been to play uh, Isaac. I am happy to be your captain. Um, right, and it keeps going. I mean, Dan, James Lance, I absolutely loved his little note about Trent Krim, eloquent as Trent would be. Yeah, he had the, thank you if you have liked Trent Krim in that story. There's so much love for Trent out there, and it's very moving. It's a little bit like anybody who's a fan of the show. They create this little love bomb. So when someone steps out of the screen, like me, walking down the street, they're like, I love you. I love the show. And they all kind of explode. It's evidence of just how much there is in this. And love makes love, doesn't it? Obviously, Hannah Waddingham, whether it's her racking up awards or here, has just talked about it. it's literally changed her life. Um, and, and, and she is just so grateful. And she talks about from the fans, right? Um, you know, not only for her and Keely, the, their kind of journey as, as best friends, they said um, they've just gone from strength to strength. And, and the most insane thing, and we see it all, we hear it all, and we're massively grateful. I think every, she's just become a fan favorite for just how awesome of a person she is, as mm -hmm. well as like how bomb of an actor she is and, and what she did with this too. So like, I guess she's probably almost like the biggest one, like probably the biggest winner on and off just because we got introduced to this really, really cool person. You know, I think that Roy Kent and Brett Goldstein's character is another one as well that I think they really kind of exploded onto the scene. Again, not to diminish with the other ones, but I feel like they're the two 
underneath Brendan and Jason who who are now just everywhere. You you get a shot and you take it. And I think I think people really respond to that, right? To you get your big break and you actually do something with it and you give it a hundred and ten percent and again, success begets success. It's a it's a wonderful thing. And yeah, her personality is just out of control. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, obviously, everybody who was involved in the show wants season three. They absolutely loved it. Um, and good for them. Season right? four, not three. We Sorry. just did season After three. season three, they want to continue it on into season four for sure. Uh, but that just shows how much they loved season three and kind of the journey that was. So we, we pulled out some of the major plot lines from this one as well. And it's probably a good way to to... Like I said, take a season and put it in bullet form so we can digest it a little bit. It's crazy to think back to all of the episodes when you go to IMDb and you kind of scan back. You're like, oh, yeah, that was this uh, this season because, you know, the narrative has been from season one, episode one, all the way, uh, you know, all the way down to so long farewell. Right. It has been an absolute journey uh, slowed down by COVID, Nick. It's it's amazing just to think about this season in particular, right? Like we started it 14 weeks ago at the uh, uh, Crown Anchor Prince's Head in Richmond doing our season preview. And now it's at the end. We're all we're all kind of back home where we where we live and are kind of recapping everything that happened in 12 plus hours. It feels like of, of television because every episode kept getting longer and longer and longer and uh, you know, hell, man, it's it's been it's been amazing. I mean, this is probably the shortest script that I've written this year. Uh, it's only it's a casual nine pages instead of you know twelve or thirteen. Um, but yeah, to kind of wrap, I think what we wanted to do is just go through each character and kind of their evolution this season, kind of put a nice little bow on where they're at, where they kind of left it, and uh, you know, comments are, are are welcome here. But you got to start off with Ted, right? Uh, not about me. It never was, except it always was. And it definitely was. Um, and look, Ted continues, I think as his mom, uh, was, was so eloquent to say in, in mom city to solve everyone else's problems without taking any help for himself. Uh, but he does at least attempt to figure that out by going home and, and trying to be the best dad that he can to Henry again, agree or disagree with how the show ended uh, in season three. I think that was a sign of growth. And I think the other sign of growth for Ted, uh, Dan, is that he became a real manager this season instead of a goofball with really, really good people skills. And that's that was kind of cool to see, um, even though it came across in a trippy fashion. Look, I actually was definitely in the running for one of the best scenes in the entire season of Ted's loopy trip on a trip it's a very meta in the way that he was able to concoct total football in its homeland of amsterdam and yeah i mean look he that was what we were asking for if we go back to the predictions for the beginning of season three it was that ted would finally pick up on the sport that he had been hired to coach (laughs) and he wouldn't just necessarily be a coach uh, that helps people grow into the best, their best selves. And even though Pep Guardiola of Manchester City did give him that same advice, that was the most important thing. The football tactics 
kind of matter. And so it was good that that finally was something that had been picked up on and executed and implemented in the story. That made me feel a little bit better. And I think actually um, I would have been less happy with the ending if we still had gotten to the point where he didn't understand uh, core rules. Well, obviously, Ted wasn't the only one. Rebecca absolutely evolved, maybe blossomed into the butterfly in front of us this season, found happiness, which honestly we didn't think was going to happen. She chose family after casting away her demons and just, uh, you know, even pushed people with her bit of stubbornness and directness uh, to find themselves as well and uh, had a great season as well. So loved, loved seeing that. Yeah, her uh, her scenes with Roy this season were uh, were just absolutely fantastic, and of course, you know the, the the final kind of scenes and and episode twelve were were great. I mean, it's a phenomenal character, right? But I think the fact that you got to see her kind of relax the shoulders a little bit, let her guard down, that was uh, that was great. Speaking of Roy, Dan. Uh, our newest diamond dog, still a work in progress. Uh, he did make genuine strides as a leader, is now the manager of the football club. Will he grow as a man is the question. Uh, he wants to, but will he? he? He did, as we saw in the very last episode of the season, in that montage, was entering into Dr. Sharon's office. That's all you need to know, that the growth is happening, that he's maybe a few decades behind Ted in terms of the ability to build out and to be more in touch and to be more externally helpful in the way that he operates. But we did see a huge step forward for Roy Mm. in this season and not just at one time, but multiple times, even though he found himself wondering if he could change, if he was making changes. And if you look to the Roy in season one, who would never have asked that question to begin with, would never have put himself in a room or position to ask that group of individuals. We did see change from the character throughout the entirety of the three seasons. And it was exciting. Well, I mean, we'll see if there's more because he's also the new manager of AFC Richmond. And who knows in a new series, he could be the new Ted Lasso question mark. Tough, 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 tough. Nick, what about Jamie? He had a biggin, as they'd say across the pond. <laughs> Gave it the biggin, did he? Uh, yeah, look, uh, Roy, Jamie, Keeley, all connected, right? That's that's the, the the triad, if you will. But yeah, Jamie, I think by far and away was everyone's favorite character evolution uh, throughout the three seasons. You think about where he started as this punk ass kid to a person who generally takes a leadership role, is selfless, uh, still has some work to do, obviously, after you look at episode 12 and the shortcomings there, but is a whole different person, reunites with his dad, you know, is, is driven by different things than maybe he was um, when we when we kind of found out about him and, and his relationship with his mom and dad and, and what drives him. So... Definitely a, a wonderful evolution. I think that Phil Dunster as an actor was tremendous in this role in season three. And uh, yeah, massive kudos. Uh, keeping the list rolling. Keely, kind of like Roy stumbled, find herself. I mean, she had some big ups and down swings, I would say. 
in, in, in parts of season three, but the indications that she's doing better. We get by with a little help from our friends, which was a fun uh, little interlude there. Dan, Sam, 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 Sam. I mean, he, can, there's can a- I just quickly say on Keeley, not to backtrack sure. too much, but I was a little bummed with her storyline in season three, just to be honest. Like, she's so much fun and such a vibrant personality. I thought we thought we wasted some time with her, frankly. And and more than just the relationship of others or yeah. having majority of her scenes being about will they, won't they in terms of a relationship. I think it was if you were going to do the business storyline, it would have been fun to see more of the business element without the romance element personally. Um, but I don't know. That, that was just my thought. Hey, absolutely. Uh, I was really bummed. I thought, you know, her and, and even like the Jamie Roy love triangle like devolved through this one. And like there was a lot of growth talking about emotions, being healthy. And then we just went like sideways here with her. Um, and then you're like, oh, she's going to grow professionally. And then she didn't like it. It's just at the end of the season, she's kind of back to where she started just her and Rebecca and has to like build again. So um, tough season for her. I felt like she got the short end of that one. Uh, Dan, we're talking about Sam a little bit, right? Um, he continues to just be, uh, the, the underdog with a lot of fight in him, <laughs> no matter the situation. Restaurant entrepreneur. Wonderful. tour. Boom. Restaurant tour. Let me solve that one uh, for look. you. Are, are are we gonna are we gonna say that that's that he's limited like that? I don't think so. I'm not gonna put him in that that bucket there, Nick. I'm gonna give him the opportunity to do both at the same time. And look, I think the only thing that bothered me with the was the lack of time that Sam got for sensitive storylines. Like they went down the road of him tweeting about the treatment of migrants, which is a huge actual real life storyline that still is having horrible ramifications in in england in the exportation of of migrants to to africa and there's a whole lot that is wrong with that and that would have been i think a really good story to lean into like there were there were a lot of things about acceptance and inclusivity and and diversity that came out through this season that is one storyline that i feel like huge whiff huge whiff on what could have been something really powerful him and his dad i mean how fucking great was that i mean that, that yeah i could have had five episodes of just that and i'm still bummed that we didn't get the the end of season party at ola like how that would have been in, in my world my stupid little world the most fun way to end this season is just live seeing band. everyone together at ola having fun and like open bar <laughs> The only other Season restaurant four. in the entire series. <laughs> so we're, we've, we've made justification for why a season four could exist in the storylines or things that they could pick up on. Season four is them cleaning up after the party. The issue is you're never going to get to see the party. It is only going to yeah. be talked about and referenced as something that did happen. And finally, two or three seasons later, when it actually happens, we will get the flashback to what actually happened at the mm. party. No, I want I want the party bad. I I want it bad. Uh, Nick, what about Beard? Uh, obviously ever present. You know Ted's sidekick. Yeah, I, I kind of wrote here. He finally took the plunge. Dot dot dot. By forgiving Nate. Um, 
I, you know, Beard was an enigmatic character throughout the three seasons, n- never more than season three, and and kind of his uh, kind of peripheral perspectives were always a part of this. But he was Ted's most trusted advisor throughout this whole thing, right? Even more than Rebecca, even more than Henry. But this is this is Ted's person, right? And to to understand why that was in the way that it happened with Nate was just spectacular and uh, was really happy to see it. I, I still don't understand the relationship with Jane. I, I never will. It's a weird thing that will, will just forever escape me as a, as a human being. But I just, I think at the end of it, he's a better person for the adventure. And the fact that he's staying on is great. All right. If it- I mean, can you separate them? Is that legal? Like, is that actually legal? <laughs> I was trying to like process that, Nick. Like, he's gonna stay on. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, it. His is weird. It, I would say that Beard's. I don't know, Dan, if you agree with this, but Beard's whole journey is peaks and valleys, right? Like, you get a handful of really awesome moments, and then it goes away and then it comes back and then it goes away and there's always something like he's always there but he's not the star of the show yeah he's absolutely just a part of the main supporting cast Mm -hmm. and look we got one episode that focused fully on him and that was a definitely a after hours special in terms of the way that they got to do something fun with it i think in a fourth season he would get more opportunity but i almost think there are not that the beard is not an interesting character in his own right. I think there are just a more interesting set of characters around him that I would want to to learn more about in this universe. All right. Uh, continuing it on, Nate, obviously, what, what can't you say about Nate? Um, Nate the Great's back. Absolutely went through the, the, the ringer. You could say found love. Didn't see that coming. Found acceptance. Um with his family and i guess he feels at home dan i mean he found he found his courage too you know i mean uh, beard found uh you know i guess beard found his heart as well or uh <laughs> you know everybody there's a lot of oz comparisons for like the way that the characters journeys went but uh, nate had to find that courage in order to stand up to you know his dad, which ultimately resulted in understanding how his dad viewed him and allowed for a reconciliation to happen there. Again, it could have evolved over more episodes or more than one conversation that solved all the problems. That's the issue, I think, with some of the things that we'll talk about in the did they land the plane question coming up here. But I think it was a good turnaround for him, and especially considering the fact that Nate, the the actor, <laughs> Nate, um, not Nate the character, but people Nick thought Mahan. it was that way. Nick was getting all of the Twitter hate for like a year and a half, two years, for the way a character acted in a story. <laughs> yeah, people got real attached to that belief sign to the point of ridiculousness, and the fact that he had to put out multiple tweets going... These are different things uh, is horrific. Um, other characters, too, before we move on. Colin, major glow up in, in season three. Love the fact that he got to be the best version of himself after being accepted for who he is. 
Isaac grew as a leader, right? And you got to see the kind of mentorship from Roy, uh, which was really nice. Uh, Henry got had a lot of screen time in, in season three and tried to help his dad win the whole fucking thing. And then the last one is Trent, right? Um, and, and I guess Higgins, too, to a point. They're kind of the voice of the audience, right? They help to say the unsaid. They help to kind of gently guide along every every episode. And I think both of those characters are, are vastly underrated. So, look, just a huge amount of love. For, there's a ton more characters. All the Danny Rojas's and Zoros and every... I just wasn't going to list the entire cast here. There's one that you left off here that I'm super disappointed. The biggest de-evolution of a character from absolute Rupert. scum to slime bag no no dr jacob oh uh, yeah what a terrible person god uh, nil nil draw huh yeah well i mean he was Come always on. gonna Goober. he's always gonna suck so uh <laughs> we just got to meet him in person and still felt sucky so <laughs> i'm glad we we left that off uh the the big question based on all that is uh did they land the plane did they wrap season three Right. Do, do we feel like we have some finality, some conclusions, uh, you know, because that's what the quote was above. Right. I think it was from from Hannah saying, you know, hey, as far as we're concerned, this is the end of the three seasons. Right. We wrapped it. But I think if you look on social media, I think if you look inside my head, you're going to find a little <laughs> bit of, of a different opinion. So I won't go right away as I teased it, Dan. Uh, I will kick it with you and then over to Nick. It was uneven. I, mean, I think that is just a, a little bit of turbulence were, at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, we, we didn't see the Car- flight home for Ted. But, all the way through. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, look, it was a bit of a bumpy ride at times, but there were positive moments like uh, when you get your drinks delivered to your seat and you don't have to pay for them and the snacks that you're looking for. Uh, and there were moments where, uh, you know what, the seatbelt sign was on. You were stuck between two big people in uh, the middle seat and... Uh, you know, you just are, uh, you know, you're a little bit of a sardine. So ultimately, I think there were a lot of great moments. I think there were a couple of standout episodes. I think the a lot of the characters that we probably will not see again or not see again for a very long time got some good send-offs. But it did feel a little underbaked in terms of getting to get the right amount of time to watch the evolution happen. And that was a decision to focus on some storylines over others. And ultimately, I think that was that's why it's a bit of an uneven season. I think, again, I'm super happy with the way that some of the the endings were for characters. Like, I think it's great to see Roy as the new manager of AFC Richmond, to see Nate super happy and, uh, you know, loved, beloved by the team again, to see Trent as a uh, well-respected author and everyone else getting pretty much a very happy ending, uh, maybe outside of Ted, I think is the only one that you could question. And is it really a happy ending? Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I don't. I don't think they landed it very well. Um, for me, the finale was the worst episode of the season. Um, I know that will cut against a lot of people who thought it was fantastic. Uh, but as I look back on season three, I, I think we wasted a lot of time in different places. The pacing was was really off, especially as the episodes got longer. You would have thought that they would have achieved more. But I went back and watched season one again, and it was amazing watching season one and, and most of season two as well with what they did between 30 and 40 minutes per episode. They just they were a lot cleaner of episodes. And I think there was greatness in this season. I think there were some really phenomenal things that happened in this season. 
but it just didn't it didn't land for me and it could be that i have game of thrones syndrome as as many of us do who cared about that show and how horribly it ended it wasn't it wasn't that uh, by any means i'm not i'm not saying that but I, I just I think we wasted a bunch of time. We didn't need as much football in this season. I know they signed the deal with the Premier League uh, to, to do more football. And, and while it was kind of fun for a couple of episodes, it got a little pedantic later on. We didn't need new characters in season three. Like you had enough characters to expand on. And I, I really feel like they whiffed on that. Um, there were phenomenal moments. There were a ton of callbacks when I said, like, play the hits earlier. I think there were some really awesome things in there. There were some great feel-good moments that were amazing. There were some dramatic speeches and lines that were delivered with utter grace and and class. But um, I find that my preference, Brandon, is for main characters to be in rooms talking to each other. I think that's how great shows are made, and I think there wasn't enough of that in this. I mean, I I, I just said... Season three redirected the plane, but the problem is now we don't know which city we're headed to. All we know is that our pilot, Ted, is gone, and everything from here on out is going to be a bit of a surprise, and it's going to be a bit of an unknown. When season... I'll get into this a little bit later, but, like, I was so hyped at the end of season two. Like, the story was wild, right? Like, Nate had just kind of, like, had his crazy character all these stories between like Roy and Keeley. Uh, Jamie was, was growing as well. We had the crazy scene with his dad and stuff. Like there was just all of this momentum building, getting promoted back to the Premier League. And then this season, I think Dan kind of said it, we got a bunch of like bite-sized episodes. And I think we covered a lot and we did a lot, but I wouldn't say like the ball got progressed as much. If anything, we just added a bunch of balls to the field. Now we're like, all right, what do we, what do we do with multi-ball? How do we figure it out? Um, but there were still fun moments. There were still great writing. There were still uh, clever ways that they brought in tributes and, and social, I would say, topics and things that is something that I feel like that the, only they can do in their own unique way, um, which I think probably captivated us and kept us all excited about it. But um, I do feel like the kind of story building, narrative building uh, was parked in this season. But like I said, maybe that was their plan all along. We'll have to see. Uh, but we're going to head an ad break. We're going to hit pause real quick. Take a deep breath. Uh, when we get back, we're jumping right into the awards because, uh, well, I mean, that's what we do. We give out awards. That's what we do. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. All right. Awards time. Black tie optional winner, winner football dinner because of Ted's late season equalizer in season three, episode 12. <clears throat> You're welcome. We have a tie at the top of the leaderboard, which means we need to each make our case for the winner of season three. But first, let's crunch the numbers, Dan. How did it all shake out? Well, the running tally with Rebecca and Ted both at three. You had Roy and Jamie at two apiece. Again, they came in late as well, so they mm-hmm. made the push to at the end. And look... I think we're going to look back at it and think maybe did Rupert really deserve it? Did Zava really deserve it? Nate got one. I, I mean, this was effectively like a a three to four horse weight race. Like this was really like a a true there's a Champions League group, a one through four in the Premier League with Rebecca, Ted, Roy and Jamie. And there was just kind of everybody else this season in terms of the strength of storylines. I think when you pose the question, Nick, 
who won this series versus who won the most amount of episodes, you might get a different answer. That's where I struggled a little bit. Yeah, I went back because in, in every script, right, we've kept track of who's won every episode. So I went back and counted the all-time tally, all 34 episodes. Ted uh, Ted really ran up a, a lead in season one. He had six of the 10 episodes for him winning. He had two in season two and three in season three for a total of 11. So Ted is the runaway winner. Not going to sugarcoat that. Uh, Rebecca two wins in season one, one win in season two, three wins in season three uh, for a total of six. Roy, uh, zero wins in season one. I was surprised by that. I was like, oh, man, like he had some good. Probably should have had at least one. Yeah, this should have been at least one. Too late. Yeah, just pretty, pretty surprising there. Uh, He had three in season two, which was a very Roy season and two in season three. Uh, for a total of five. So those are your top three right there. And then Keeley uh, only had a couple in season two and one in season three. Uh, or actually, sorry, it was two in season one, uh, one and two, zero and three. That's my fault. Uh, Jamie only had one uh, in in season two and two in season three for you know a tie for fourth there with Keeley. Nate won in the last two seasons for a total of two. Sam with one, and and I think season two, uh, Higgins with one uh, for the I think the holiday episode, if I'm not mistaken. It should have been Jazz uh, Higgins. <laughs> the goatee was worth it alone. Uh, uh, Beard with one uh, for the beard episode, <laughs> uh, and then Rupert with one and Zava with one from this season. So you really look at the all time tally. Ted is the runaway winner. And I think that's right. Uh, just on on merit, Dan, it probably is the right move. I don't know if it's such a resounding victory, maybe if you if you're trying to, like, couch it with the knowledge that we have instead of doing it week by week. But I'm not mad about that as a result. Yeah, I mean, look, it maybe went to decision and it was uh, two two to one in favor of Ted. That's probably where we landed. Nobody had a, a knockout blow after season one. I think in season one, you could argue Ted Ted did, you know, did win it in the ring. Uh, everything else has kind of been down to uh, pencil pushers like us coming up with our cards and putting the numbers in there and letting the public know what we think. Hmm. Nerd alert. It's us the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I... So we have to grade season three on its own. Yeah. Like, I think that's that's the thing. We already know who won the series. Brandon, make your case for the winner of season three. Three for Ted, three for Rebecca, two for Jamie, two for Roy. Those are your those are basically your options. There are really two options. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I said, if you take the season as a whole, I felt like Jamie. Um, I I mean just was consistent and just was growth. Obviously, we none of us liked the little bar scene right at the end with him and Roy, and it felt like it just really devolved back to to older times. Um, but up until that point, I thought on and off the pitch, he was saying, I want to be better. I'm seeking growth. I'm seeking help from people that I probably would never have asked for in the past. Uh, and that's tough. And and I know that there's some other good choices as well. So I also wanted to like just represent for him. Um, because the uh, the douchey Jamie is is no more. Uh, the fashion Jamie who wears no shirt underneath the suit at a at a nonprofit gala uh, is gone. We we now have um, 
Mr. Jamie Tart, and uh, he had a good season. So I thought I thought he earned a lot of points in respect. So I think if you're choosing between Ted and Rebecca, if you just wanted to make it a showdown between those two, I would opt for Ted over Rebecca um, just, just by a hair. I think because I did lose some terrible verdicts, some awful, awful verdicts <laughs> from the most corrupt judge in America, Brandon Busby. You're welcome. Roy would have won the season for me. Had the Roy. most really? most individual growth, the press conference scene, the willingness to go into Dr. Sharon's office, mm-hmm. the opening of being a diamond dog, choreographing a sound of music farewell to Ted and Beard, things that you would never have dreamed his character would have considered doing in earlier parts of the season, becoming a true friend and mentor to uh, to ja- uh, to Jamie, like I I just think that you if you said learned that was how the to character, ride a bike. congrats! He did learn how to ride a bike. Big deal. Best uncle too had Uncle's Day that went down down famously. God, Uncle's Day! I totally <laughs> with, with forgot about that. An Damn it. Incredible gift from Jamie. I don't know. I I just I couldn't I couldn't give it to anybody else if if I had my full option of choices, but. That would be um, that would be my one because again the most corrupt judge in America, Brandon Busby, sided against me multiple times <laughs> despite amazing evidence counter to his ludicrous judgments over the course of the season. And here I am, completely unfazed. Did you uh, <laughs> do you want to recuse yourself in any of those in any of those summary judgments? There, no, no, okay, no. The opinions have been written. <laughs> uh i think uh it's so funny that we have three different winners uh that's 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 perfect for us honestly i i think rebecca won the season going away i don't think it was even really close at the end of the day uh grew the most so i think she grew more than roy uh she helped everybody in her orbit get better ted roy keely whole team fucking higgins uh, talk shit to Zava in a urinal, beat Rupert at his own game, uh, helped Rupert's uh, the victims of, of assault through their thing, uh, mended fences with her mother, uh, figured out how to let go a little bit, sold 49% of the, of the team to the fans, fucking runaway winner, was absolutely outstanding, uh, shut down the Super League, uh, as well, uh, she was incredible and I think was the driving force of what was great about this season uh, in, in so many ways. I mean, 10, ten wins on, on the series so far, just on volume alone. I think it's impossible to look past some of his, like Ted's best moments are the best of the show. But I think Rebecca's overall body of work in season three was was great. Well, uh, there's many, there's much more for us to go again at pod underdogs. We'll continue to remind you as you, uh, just stand in solidarity with me and agree with all my great takes. <laughs> uh, uh, but we have other categories that we can do some, some brilliant superlatives we have like the best line in season three. Um, look, I didn't know you guys were literally going to write out the quote. Uh, I referenced the scene, but we're all winners here. Uh, look, I, I truly loved uh, Roy Kent's post-match presser after Isaac's red card or, or the sending off, depending on how proper you want to be about it. Um, uh, just, I, I think it's very relevant. Um, it was unbelievably well-spoken and a bit of a surprise since that was like his second or third day of media duty. But to me, it was just like one of those really like 
bombshell drop the mic moments uh, that I really, really enjoyed. And the brilliant thing about this is you two also doubled down on some awesome ones. Uh, Nick, what uh, what was the standout one for you? Uh, quickly, we, we put this out to the audience that is true. Uh, on Instagram yes. and had them had them vote. And so just a couple of the audience picks. Uh, so thank you to everyone on Instagram who responded back. Uh, it's just Pupe, Let It Flow was a good one. Don't Fight Back, Fight Forward, Sam's Dad, great line. Being Perfect is Boring, I think that's uh, Dan's pick. And then, of course, Ted's uh, little salvo to beard. I hope we're all judged uh, essentially by what we do with our second chances, right? If if and when we get them. And I think like those were the four that the audience voted on. But Dan, I will let you reign supreme on yours. Oh, it's a shock, right? Someone we haven't really talked about much during the whole episode. Leslie Higgins dropping in what might have been outside of the there's no place like Richmond, AFC Richmond, like that. Like, look, it was sappy, fantastic. It's a line that people remember and use in TikTok stitches for quite a period of time. But if you want to go a little deeper, you know, not, not just uh, the whipped cream on top, but you want to get to the actual scoops of ice cream. Higgins, with uh, quite the double scoop of human beings, are not going to be perfect. The best we can do is keep asking for asking for help and accepting it when you can. And if you keep on doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, very. It's a very uh, Barack Obama "better is good" type of line, uh, which is nice. I, I went with something a little off the cuff, um, I, I, and I think it's because it resonates with me as this kind of the series finale episode that we're doing the, the review it's, it's Ted and Nate as, as they're looking up at the wall where the blue sign was, he's like, uh, you know, he says, so you're already in the clear, but I'll tell you when I look up there, I still see it. Is that weird? And Nate is like sobbing. He says, no, that's lovely. And I just, I love that scene. And I love that line that it's just, I think we all like if you were to just say that to a bunch of Ted Lasso fans, they'd know exactly what you were talking about. A hundred percent. It was kind of the capstone of it, right? Um, because it was Ted really bringing Nate back in, you know, tell him writing the wrong forgiveness. You can move forward. It was very pinnacle, uh, without a doubt. So, you know, totally understandable there. What about the funniest scene in season three? Good luck, by the way. Like, we had I I've tried so hard to stay away from the audience picks uh, because obviously they're great. Uh, I tried to be original. Uh, I tried not to Google all of these answers, but guys, it, it, when you have a, a comedic series like this, it's really really hard, especially with the writers that they have in the room. The audience said Judge Isaac McAdoo, which on, great pick. On, yeah, I mean honestly, it was probably Nick's up until thirty seconds ago. Will dressed his beard, which was Nick's forty seconds ago. Yeah. Uh, Roy Jamie bike I, scene, which I struggled with. This. Yes, I don't, I don't they know. took all the good ones, which we all talked about uh, the poupe again. So now that those are all off the board, Dan, what could you possibly find? So I, just, I actually think it's the entire like you could just take all of the bits of Roy and Jamie in Amsterdam, everything from the <laughs> windmills being fake, <laughs> which they're not fake. We're going to need to go get bikes. Um, that was a really fun part of that episode and what had some more serious conversations, some more sober realizations. That was the one that kept that episode in a lighter space, in a lighter place. And 
I don't know. I, I think I enjoyed the evolution of their friendship in this this series, across this season in particular, a whole lot. And I think that leads into Nick's in particular, which I also think is in the running. Like, all of these are great. They're all great options. No, none, no one selecting any of these is wrong. I've, I've changed mine. It is Uncle's Day. Uncle's Day was the best. I think a, a runner-up would be Will dressed as beard because it was so unexpected and shocking and funny but uncle's day with the jersey and the hot sister and the whole thing it was just fucking tremendous i 100 percent align with that uncle's day wins i mean very yeah it, it was it was um a sideways scene again introduced a new character right at the end never saw again right like a quick little whiplash in that one but it was great um Danny Rojas in the Zorro rivalry, right? Like the back and forth, like Danny just went straight stone cold killer in that and just Zorro's confusion. Uh, and then how he just like slapped back and it was like nothing was new, bottom of mask. Um, I just loved a lot of what Danny Rojas did. And for him to kind of flip his character and play this new one was just, it was really funny to see because I could also see this happening like on international duty, like hypothetically, I guess we don't have any Canadians on the Premier League team or any any Mexicans, but I'm sure you get this with like France versus England, right? Or France versus Spain and England and all these European countries where um, you get a tackle thrown in on a teammate because you finally get the chance to whack them, but you can't in training. And so it comes out. Uh, so I enjoyed that as well. But again, unlimited amounts uh, of options. Um, what about the most dramatic scene, right? Again, what, what would we call this? A... Uh, a comedic drama, a dramatic comedy, Dan. Like, how, how do we describe this this series? Dramedy. Jeez. Oh, Dr- dramedy would be the appropriate combo word. The the Brennifer of uh, of, <laughs> of mushed words. Like the audience had a couple. They had the Super League shutdown uh, overlaid with Nate's violin scene in the Nate and Beard reunion when we finally learned the truth about Beard's past and also what position he played on the college football team opposite of the Ted. You had the Ted and Rebecca sitting in the stadium, much like the intro of the song, but now Ted is not sitting alone, is with Rebecca, and they have a heart-to-heart moment. You have the Believe sign being restored in the way that it was and the speech that accompanied it. And then also Isaac blowing up at the fan in the stands and Roy's reaction to it. Again, they're all great. I could have chosen many of these, but I know you had one, Brandon, that maybe wasn't on the main list. Again, just trying to bring variety and a little bit of different side to it, but you know, you think back to the West Ham bust-up. Like, everybody broke. It was a mess. Everybody but Ted, really, right? And that's where the players finally saw the video clip of what Nate did to the sign, um, and they just went out against his West Ham side and they lost the plot. Every single one of them did. Um, and I thought that was, that was just a really, you know, I think big moment for them too. Cause you think about the learning curve and it really showed kind of Ted's strength in not being fiery in that moment, which was, uh, which is really powerful. I thought as well. And I thought it's, it's one that, you know, probably got overshadowed because of the, as you even rattled off so many of the big ones, but what about you, Nick? Uh, Roy's post-match press conference. I mean, it's just it was the best scene in the whole the whole season for me. Um, I've watched it a bunch on on social media and just love it. And I love the so for Isaac to do what he did today, even though it was wrong. I give him love. And 
uh, and for as why he did it, that's none of my fucking business. It was such a great, I've grown, but I'm still me, <laughs> right? And and I just, I, I don't know, Dan, for me, it's just such a wonderful, uh, such a wonderful thing to go through. That's probably mine as well. But again, to me, it just had a little variety and, and shine a little light on another scene. Rebecca standing up for football in the room of mostly old white men who are controlling the teams and getting the impassioned response about how this isn't just football it's not just it's not just about the sports not just about the money how much money do you fucking need to lay it out there hannah waddingham delivering an excellent performance in that scene and maybe one of her best in the whole season wow um you know obviously i said the red card one you think about this one too it's just there there were this season was wild like i said because I, I don't think it, the common threads are as strong in this one, but like we're very quickly being reminded of all these different tangents and like things that did pop up. There was greatness in it. There was, right. there was some real greatness. Right. It just didn't it didn't get all the way there. Yeah. It, it it moved to the next thing so quickly. I think it's easy to forget. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, what about best on pitch? Uh, yeah, the Zava goal montage, Jamie's heroics, Colin's end of season form, which he was on fire isaac's penalty broke the net um i had anything zava i mean if you're talking purely on field performance he was the greatest everything he did went in um he backpacked an entire team he was by far and away uh just fantastic so obviously i'm i'm leaning into the goal montage but there's also other ones in there i i'm I refuse to bring up Dan. So Nick, I'm going to you. Uh, the best, the best shot scene, uh, football scene. There was a lot of football on this. Uh, was the first total football goal where Jamie kind of orchestrated it from the deeper lying midfield role and ends up making the crucial pass and and you know the team gets the goal and they go on the winning run and and all that sort of stuff after they lose against Arsenal and. Uh, I think that was awesome. I mean, I, the overall, if you want to just talk about evolution of, of footage, if you look at what they did in season one versus what they did in season three, it is night so and fucking bad. day. It is night and fucking day. So uh, well done to the entire team who shot that. Look, it couldn't have been anything else. It was Ted spotting offside. Come on. Technically, that was on the field. So well done, Dan. It, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely was. How Thank excited you very he much. is about this. Yeah, come on. So pumped. <laughs> and that's when Dan learned what offsides was as well. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Nine and a half years of hanging out with you guys. I wish I would have picked it up sooner. What about off the field? Uh, audience had Roy and Jamie bike scene. Obviously, had, has been discussed. Is Dan said, I'm just going to take the entire episode and call it mine. Um, off the field. I, look, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I struggle with this one again a little bit. I have some ideas, so I'm going to let you go. I'm going to see if something kind of marinates and, and pops in this one. But, um, Dan, I will I will come to you first this time, I suppose. Well, seeing where everyone kept the piece of the believe sign, mm. with how personal it was in terms of their connective, like Jamie – having it as a, a bookmark for the book that Ted gave him, Isaac having it underneath the captain's armband. That was a really 
awesome scene. And again, there was a lot of messiness. There's a, a beautiful mess at times in this season. And that was one scene that I think will, again, it'll just be one that resonates and you remember years at, later after having watched the show and watched the series. And so I think that one just because it was so close to the end probably to me exists as the best off field scene the only other one i would say would be beard uh overlaid with hey jude talking to henry and Mm. explaining how lucky he is i I think that's probably the other candidate for best off field scene i mean that that's great that's for sure great nick keep it going yeah i mean everyone knows i love the ted and rebecca stadium solitude she tries to convince him to stay i think if i had a runner-up it would have been the ola party uh that they had where everyone was kind of in the room together hanging out and there were different kind of interesting situations happening i I just i love i love people in rooms or in this case in stadiums just having conversations so those are those are the two i think so i i thought about a little bit you know thinking about what you guys had said in the audience and i'm going with rebecca convincing zava to come to Richmond, I think because of what she did off the field, especially in a moment where like she was toe to toe with Rupert, right? Rupert invited him to the game. She took the, the line that, that society was on history was on cut it and said, my history is the new present and it impacted off the field. Right. And so like, now you guys remind me like, wow, it had her actions had such a big impact then on the pitch and, and for the rest of the team that that, that was pretty big as well. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just so many things that, that we have, but I, I really drew to that one. I mean, it's a power play, badass, badass boss. I loved it. All right. The, the, Big finale, even though we have uh, an encore, is best episode in season three. Like I said, we got 12 episodes. It ran from um, Smells Like Mean Spirit, 15th of March, all the way to So Long, Farewell, the 31st of May, and a lot in between. So, Dan, without further ado, uh, what was your favorite episode uh, in season three? It's it, Again, it's tough. I mean, I, I think... There are a lot that probably rank higher in terms of like overall audience appeal, but I think for closing out a couple of storylines and it being, I think, one of the episodes was messy because it had a lot of mess in it. I actually think we'll never have Paris, uh, particularly the way that that caps off at the end because you're getting more of the not happening during a game week activity and i think some of the best moments in the show when they weren't like weren't actually focused on the football element of it and the football was the the background or the tapestry that this world coincided in that 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 to me was a fun episode and ended uh ended really well well nick nick keep it going uh i'm gonna put the audience last uh save the best for last on this one because i don't want them to steal any thunder here so what did you have I like Signs the most, which is season three, episode five. I mean, there was so much that happened in this, um, you know, between the romantic signs, the team, uh, you know, signs, the fact that the actual believe sign ripped in half and fell apart. And Ted had to give that inspirational speech that belief doesn't happen because you hang a sign up on a wall. I, it, it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, and this is a... It was a really well-written episode. It felt very season one to me in that way. And uh, look, I think uh, it's also 
you know, the episode where Rebecca kind of starts looking around for signs in her own life, stuff like that. So, look, I, I'm massive fan of signs, massive fan of, of the other episodes as well. But I think that one is, is by far my favorite. Well, I went with four or five one. I uh, really enjoyed the uh, the Zava. Uh, obviously, drama with uh, Ted and, and back home. So, you know, I really just enjoyed the 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 bigger than life person that was and how they're all trying to adjust to it and kind of the fun side of it as well. Uh, again, just trying to pick out something a little bit different um, because especially the way this one wrapped, it's hard. To, it's easy to forget what happened uh, at the mm. beginning, which was good. The audience, they liked sunflowers. I think a lot of people did, right? And then they liked Mom City second, which a lot of other people did. So again, they are not wrong. We're trying to keep the variety there, but uh, between Sunflowers, I think that probably in itself, Nick, was probably the most standout episode as a, st- as a single episode out the, throughout the entire season. Um, so I can totally understand yeah. why the audience went that way. There there was so much goodness in that episode. It was definitely one of those like one-offs, like the Christmas episode or, or like the Beard After Hours episode. Um, but Mom City, great shout too. Absolutely love Mom City. Thought it was bad. I, I, in fact, if the... If the season would have wrapped on Mom City, I would have felt a lot better, I think. I wasn't going to say it, so I'm glad you did and not me. All right, the encore, though, bonus. Best overall episode in the series so far as we continue to hedge our bets here. Um, yeah, I got to call out all the audience. That's what I was going to say, yeah, because we have a little bit from each season that they all kind of chose. We tried to lock in uh, one from all three seasons, but, uh, yeah, take us through a little bit of a journey here. Yeah, so lots of different picks. Lots of people voted. So, again, thank you for for doing that if you saw us on Instagram. Uh, Season one picks. I think these are definitely the consensus picks in season one. Uh, For the Children, which is the charity gala episode. Uh, Make Rebecca Great Again, which is the uh, Frozen singing episode, panic attack episode. And then the Diamond Dogs, where we introduced the Diamond Dogs. These are all phenomenal episodes of TV. Uh, Season two, Carol the Bells. Rainbow, which was a very popular pick, Man City, and No Weddings and a Funeral. Those were the, the kind of four from season two. And then season three, Signs, Sunflowers, Mom City. Uh, those were those are the three. So I will open it up to the floor on on who wants to go first. Look, I I didn't I didn't want to go with this one because it was that specialty episode, Carol the Bells. But guys, I could not stop laughing. Every time I watched it, I was in tears with the Phoebe and the bad breath scene. Like, no. We didn't get enough Phoebe in this season. Correct. And when we did get her, it was great. No other season made me laugh or cry this hard. And I and so, like, for me, I just couldn't get away from it. Like, I would play it for my parents. I played it for my wife. And to bring them in, and every time, guys, I was I was in tears. But honestly, I also loved No Weddings and a Funeral. I thought that was a banger of an episode and just a really mm-hmm. unique uh, story to kind of throw in there. And obviously, inverting the pyramid of success because it piqued my desire for more lasso. I was so I was just I was in like that had me probably like peak obsession and interest. Unfortunately, we had the the break after that. So uh, those are a couple shout outs. I know I kind of cheated a little bit, but I want to give a, a good summation because I could see how Carol LaBelle's could be like, of course you did. But it's purely that Phoebe, Roy and Keely scene that like I can't control myself. <laughs> 
Yeah, so in converting the pyramid of success definitely is a top episode. I would imagine it's I would imagine it's on most people's top three, maybe top five episodes out of all the ones that have come out. Uh, I think if we were going to say one differently than that one, the the other one that actually I, I, I rate really highly is Trent Krim, The Independent. I think it's such a great little character episode talking over meals, talking on, on the pitch, talking about what makes this person tick and really exposing themselves in the way that it caps at the end, foiling the uh, the not best played ba- plans of Rebecca to doom the club, but at, rather to embolden the supporters that Ted might actually be the guy. That uh, th- Those were both really, really great ones. Well, if you guys are going to cheat, I will too. Um, yes, I, I think- please do. <laughs> for me, making Rebecca or make Rebecca great again is a perfect episode of television. I absolutely loved it. Um, you got the drama with the panic attacks. You got the humor with Nate giving the pre-match pep talk. You got uh, Ted going through his divorce. You got Rebecca going through her stuff. It, it was just so much fun and interesting. It was it was the it was the first episode that I at the time kind of talked to. Uh, my my former creative director Tug and was like this show is fucking incredible like the, it really was like claws were sunk into me at that point um, the second one is actually the For the Children episode uh, I absolutely love that episode the charity gala and the reason I love it is because it's off the it's fully off the pitch right you don't get anything there you get a bunch of Keely Jamie they break up you get Rebecca confronting her demons and Rupert that was the first time we we really get to meet Rupert right is is when he walks in in that white suit and does the like look at me thing and you get Ted playing the role of comforter to everybody right and showing I think for the first time that he is really kind of the center of the universe and I absolutely love that one too um I thought both both episodes were great there's so many in here that are fantastic but uh, thank you to everyone who voted on all of these different questions, because it, honestly, as I was going through it, I was trying to like rack my brain about all these moments that happened throughout the season. It would have been impossible if you guys didn't uh, vote for him. So really appreciate that. Loved it all. So some final thoughts here as we get ready to wrap. Um, again, I don't I don't think this is a surprise for everybody right now. I thought it peaked at the end of season two. I wish it would have finished a little bit stronger, especially when they knew season three would be the quote unquote end of this version of the show. I think that's how I'm putting it. Um, I think a a Ted flight home was inevitable, um, but it kind of got rushed and and lost in the shuffle. But to be fair, life isn't linear. Neither was this story. So I have a lot of understanding um, and a lot was packed in. But I would say, was it a nice tidy bow? No. Was it still very entertaining and provided a lot of value? And most importantly, probably to the people involved, did it make us think about some things differently? It sure did. So at the end of the day, uh, Ted Lasso through and through. um, And I am very interested to see how it goes. Uh, But it was very different compared to season one and season two. I think those are a lot more connected. And it was sad. I think they kind of abandoned some of the really cool storylines from season two in three. But... Um, we got different ones. We got new ones. So, uh, yeah, that's how I kind of like flushed it out. What about you, Nick? I'll pass the Dan. I'll I'll close her out. 
I mean, it was the the genesis of this was Nick's, so I think we we owe it to him to let him have the true last word on Ted Lasso. But it was a story that came from a skit that helped to promote the Premier League, and I don't think there have been many other shows that have had such a crazy and zany way that it morphed from something that was an advert into being an actual full-fledged series that really touched the life of so many people, whether it was people watching it, the people working on it, the cast and the crew. It has made an impact, which I think is one of the hardest things to do. There's a lot of content out there, and a lot of it never resonates in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. It's nine nine seasons of just the most bang-average stories, and the highs of Ted Lasso were amazing. Some of the best highs in recent memory in this type of, of, of show and in kind of that dramedy category, workplace sitcom type of vibe. And then there were lows that just were kind of unfortunate. And that's okay. I'm not expecting everything to be perfect. Very few shows get to be on the, the Mount Rushmore of television. Like this show is not on there for me personally, but it is one that I will continue to remember fondly. There are definitely sayings and moments that I will remember and continue to use because I think they are good references to make and I think they will bring people joy the same way lines from The Office and Steve Carell's character today still resonate with people. Ted Lasso will have some of that same staying power, um, but you know may just you know be a, a tier below some of the the very very great shows. But I'm glad that we spent the last couple of years talking about it. Yeah, I think that's where I'll pick it up. I, I think my issues with season three have been kind of encapsulated before this, so I'll try and end on a a bit of a high here. I love this show. Um, it it is on my Mount Rushmore, despite um, the way that it ended. And I think the reason why is because it felt for football fans, for for real football fans, and for a guy who lives in Kansas City, like they wrote it for me. Like it, it really, at times, was was such a cultural overlap that I I, I genuinely can't believe they were allowed to make this show. Um, it, it's. Jason said it on on many interviews. It's a show about soccer and it's a show about empathy and mental health and and they and they nailed all this stuff. They really did. And I think the thing that I will I will never forget about it is where I was mentally when I first started watching it in in early 2021. Um, so I was late to the party initially, but I caught up very quickly. Then we did the sh- you know the second season that summer. Um, and it's it just completely was the thing that I needed at that point in my life. And I I can't imagine the pressure that they were under to try and replicate that magic time after time after time. But in a lot of different ways, they did. Uh, it's been an absolute joy to record this with you guys. So all the episodes that we did uh, writing these scripts was a challenge that I wanted to take on and they didn't make it easy with how much shit they packed in every single episode. Uh, I mean, to the guys will tell you, like we'd get into every script that I'd write. It'd be longer than the last one because that's just the amount of inside jokes and stuff that were a part of the, the season. But uh, to, to Jason, to Bill Lawrence, to, to Brendan Hunt, 
Joe Kelly, all the writers, all the actors, you guys delivered in such a massive fucking way for so many people who you'll never know the impact of the show. And I think on that front, it is, it's just been an unbelievable journey and the community that evolved out of this show is like nothing I've ever seen before. I've, I've never seen, even when they like people didn't like parts of the finale or whatever, it was always couched with like positivity and not, you know, as Dan and I experienced the game of Thrones uh, section was not, not that at all. Uh, so I just a massive hearty thank you and a massive thank you to everyone who's listened to these episodes. I mean, we just started posting them publicly in March and I've accumulated over 20,000 downloads of episodes since that point, which is incredible for a show that was just started, um, and published. So, uh, massive shouts to everyone, your, your insights, your tweets, your Instagram messages are all, uh, incredibly, uh, warm and, and welcome. And yeah, just really, uh, excited that we got a chance to do this. Well, I mean, there's still more to come. We don't know if it'll be from them or from us, but Hey, either way, we'll be around. Stay close to this feed at Pod Underdogs. Keep us going. There's a lot to have. And for all of you in the future who are just coming to Ted Lasso later, hey, say hi. We're, we're probably still around. You know, you can still tweet at us. We'll, we'll have the, the social media. The five-star reviews always help. They always go a long way. If you take 15 seconds, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, uh, we appreciate that. Uh, we always love to say we'll see you on the next episode. We will. We just don't know what it is. So we're just going to leave this as an open invitation. Let us know what you'd like to hear about. Let us know what you think about the Ted Lasso series, season one, two, and three. Uh, and let us know how we can continue to keep the conversation going. So uh, we'll, we'll end it there. Season three is a wrap. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And we'll be back with, well, whatever's next. We'll see you later. <laughs>